in Matthew chapter 16, the Lord Jesus Christ asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they began to say who some said they were, said he was. Some said he was uh, Elijah, the prophet, raised from the dead, and one of the other prophets. Some said John the Baptist, raised from the dead. And Jesus looked at this apostles and said, who do you think I am? You have been with me. So who do you think I am? Who do you believe me to be? And Peter stood up and said, Thou art the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to Peter, This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. I mean, you, you didn't come up come up with this on your own. And no man in this world revealed it to you. No one in this world has made it known to you. Because no one can. He said, this was revealed to you by my Father, which is in heaven. Peter was called the little, the little rock by Jesus Christ because he had acknowledged the big rock, Jesus, the God of all creation, the stone cut out of a mountain without hands, as we see in Daniel chapter 2. He was that rock that followed Israel throughout the desert wilderness wanderings for 40 years and gave them water from that rock. Jesus is the rock of my salvation. So he tells Peter, upon this rock, upon this confession that I am the deliverer, that I am the Son of God. I will build my church. He was simply saying, because I am God the Son, because I have the power, I will build my ecclesia, my church. my bride, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
nothing in this creation can overcome the bride of Christ. Paul said it better than I could ever say it. In Romans chapter 8, he said that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. And he's who he's he who gives us the victory. Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you know why this that's true? Do you know why the gates of hell cannot prevail against the against the Christian? The church. Well, number one, to go to hell, you have to be unrighteous. However, but for the Christian, we have been imputed eternal righteousness. And we see that in Romans chapter 4, where God has imputed righteousness to us. And I, and I like the way Paul ends Romans chapter 4 and verse 25, where he said that he was delivered for our transgressions. God punished his son at the cross for all of our sins. I'm serious. Consider Titus chapter 2, verse 14. He was delivered to the cross to redeem us from all iniquity. A-L-L. And to purify unto himself a peculiar people. I like that word purify because I see it again in Hebrews chapter 1 where the scriptures say that all by himself he purified us. He cleansed us. He sanctified us all by himself. And then he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high declaring that his work of redemption was finished. Complete. We have been rescued from God's wrath. We have been rescued from sin, <clears throat> death, and hell. <laughs> Excuse me. And that's why the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. Because to go to hell, you got to be unrighteous. <clears throat> but when we read Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul says, he who knew no sin became sin, your sin and my sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him by the Holy Spirit. So God imputes his sin, uh, his, his, uh, our sin to, to Christ on the cross, and God punishes him for all of my sins and yours. And then he imputes his righteousness to us. 
eternal righteousness. Not righteous, righteousness that you have today and gone tomorrow when you blow it. No, it's eternal. And because you have eternal righteousness, <clears throat> you can't die. The soul that sent it, it shall die. The wages of sin is death. But watch this. Are y'all ready to run with me? I'm ready to run. Watch this. John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Christ said, I am the resurrection and the life. If a man believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And then he said in verse 26, And if a man lives and believes in me, he shall never die. Absolutely amazing. Do you believe this? If you do, you will never die. And he, he, he reiterates that the first time, actually, in John chapter 5, verse 24, where he said, Verily, verily I say unto you, he that hears these words of mine and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. <clears throat> it can't be judged. You can't die. Christ will judge in your place. So for that reason, once you become born again, you pass from death to life. You can't die. That's why Romans chapter 8 it's so important. 8, 1 and 2. There's therefore now no condemnation to, to them that are in Christ. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Walking after the flesh is, is to still be in the old Adam, still be in your sins. But to be in the spirit is to be in Christ. Is to be born again. Is to be uh, brought out of death and transferred into eternal life, transformed, translated into eternal life. And I, and I love Romans chapter 8, verse 2. For the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is the born-again experience, and the born-again experience is simply being brought out of the old Adam and placed into the new Adam. Now, if that's true, if you've been set free from the law from the law of sin and death, you are now 
living in the spirit of life. Which means you can't die. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. <clears throat> That's why hell has no power over you. You can't die. Those folks that hell has power over are those who die. And you can't die. Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. So in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, he said these words. For as the children, for as much of the children were partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise also became partakers of the same, that he might through death destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So now that Christ crushed the serpent's head, he has in his hands the keys of death and hell. So we're safe and secure leaning on the everlasting arms. My point in this lesson is this. Jesus Christ, that's who he was. And his, his apostle Peter responded by saying, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Christ asked a question later on to the Pharisee, you know, the 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 spiritual elite of his of his day. In Matthew twenty two, verse forty one, uh, Matthew said that the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. What think you of Christ? Whose son is he? And they said, correctly. They said, the son of David. And they were right. But they weren't partially right. I could say they were half right, but no, not even close. But they were right. He, he is the son of David. And we'll, see, and we'll see how that works out in a minute. But Jesus goes on to, to teach them how then does David say unto him in spirit? How does David in spirit call him Lord? Saying in verse 44. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit down at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. This is David now in Psalm 22. Psalm 122. What am I saying? That was, on it. <laughs> I was right the first time. Psalm 22. The Lord said to my Lord, this is what this is David speaking in Psalm 22. Not about himself. 
What about Christ? Now, he is David's son, but he's also God, God's son. The Lord said to my Lord, sit down at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Verse 45 said, if David if called him Lord, if David then called him Lord, how is he his son? How is he David's son? If David called him God. And no one, no man was able to answer him a word. And this was the spiritual elite, the teachers of Israel. And they could not answer that question. And they were Pharisees. But, but I got news for you. There was a Pharisee who could answer that question, and he did. His name was Paul the Apostle. And this is how he answered that question. In Romans chapter 1, he said that he was a servant of God called to be an apostle, to, 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 to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ concerning his son. That's what the gospel is. The gospel concerns Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. But this is what he said. The gospel of Jesus Christ concerned God's son who was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Jesus Christ, who is God's son, came down through 42 generations, from Adam to David, to the Babylonian captivity, all the way down to Mary and Joseph, in the flesh. Born of a virgin in the flesh. But keep in mind, he was made of the seed of David. God brought that about. It was a it was a miracle birth. Made of the seed of David. And keep in mind, the baby Jesus was born, but the Son of God has always been. He's always been with the Father. They're co-equal. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Neither is older than the other. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him. There was nothing made that was not made by him. This is Jesus Christ, the Word of God. He's always been. There's a verse that used to, that used to baffle me. When I used to read it, Isaiah 9 6. You can turn that if you want to. I just said, Unto us a son is given, unto us a child is born. Check that out. Unto us a son is given, unto us a child is born. The son was not born, he was given to take on human flesh for the baby Jesus to be born. But God was never born. You can't give birth to God. God has always been. 
He's from everlasting to everlasting. He is God. And before him, and before him, there is no other. So God's plan was to become the perfect man to die for our sin. But remember now, it was what we call the hypostatic union. God the Son and Jesus Christ became one. And that union is inseparable. He will always be God the Son in human flesh. So, so he, was, he was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, according to humanness. But the next verse says, and was declared to be the Son of God with power. He was not made the Son of God. He was always the Son of God. So when he came into this earth realm, he was declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. By the resurrection from the dead in his own power. I say it in his own power, but let me tell you something. The Bible tells us that, that God the Father raised him up. The Bible tells us that God the Holy Spirit raised him up. The Bible tells us that he raised himself up. He said, destroy this temple, and I will raise it up in three days. John chapter 10, he, he, he proclaimed, no man takes my life. Listen, he said, I am the good shepherd of Psalms 23. I know my sheep, and I lay down my life for my sheep. No man takes my life. I lay it down. I have the power to do that. I have, I have the power to lay it down. And I have the power to take it back up. I'm laying it down because I love my sheep. I know my sheep. And I give to them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Hallelujah. He was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Romans chapter 1. And declared to, declared to be the Son of God. With power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Other, other men have been raised up from the dead. But Jesus raised himself up. Other men have been raised up from the dead. Jesus, Jesus even, raised, even raised up men. He raised up Lazarus with a name son. But they died again. The body that Jesus had when he was raised up with a glorified body, a body that could, could never die again. It was, it was a glorified body. It was sown a human body from Adam, the old Adam. But the new body, the new glorified body, was a heavenly body. 
the first body was earthy. The second body was heavenly. We see that in First Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to stop. There's more to be said, but I think I'm going to stop here and just uh, bring this to your memory. Since we have, we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Peace that can never be disturbed. And that peace was based on Romans chapter 4, verse 25, which we mentioned earlier. He was delivered from our transgression. God punished him because of our sin. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth it shall die. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So Christ shed his blood for our forgiveness. And that now that he's done that, we are forgiven for all of our sins. But it went further than that. This verse says, he was delivered for our transgression. He was raised for our righteousness. He was raised for our justification. We stand righteous and holy before God. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 11, You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified by the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ. We give him glory. We'll start right here. I want to let you know, this is Percy W. Garrett in Dothan, Alabama, on Bible Talk. Bible Talk tends to talk about God through his word and his word alone. And we pray that you've been blessed by it. I want you to, you to consider Romans chapter, I'm sorry, I love the book of Romans, the book of Pauline theology, but Jude chapter 1, verses 24 and 25, listen to this verse. It talks about your salvation and your eternal security that you cannot lose. This is Jude, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. He said, now unto him, was able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. Hallelujah. One day when we see him face to face, he'll be happy. He'll have joy and I'll have joy. You too. Amen. And amen. God bless you and keep you and give you his everlasting grace and peace.